0: This was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work.
1: I feel like we got top, top, top.
0: I went from a sale of you know $500,000 to in debt.
1: $192 million. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host, John Worlow. Hey guys, this is John Worlow This episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder Score. If you haven't got your score yet, I'd encourage you to take 13 minutes and complete the questionnaire you'll find at valuebuilder.com. It'll give you your score on the eight key drivers of company value. You're gonna learn some different things about what drives the value of your business. You'll be able to see how you performed on these eight unique factors. Go to valuebuilder.com. So in a moment, you're going to hear from James Garvey. James is the founder of Objective Loyalty, and along with his partner, Duncan, built their company up to a point of having $2.5 million of profit on the backs of just 10 employees, an incredibly profitable company that he went to sell. And interestingly, didn't get any offers. In the first six months, he was shopping the company through an investment banker and didn't actually get any bites. He then changed tactics, and they went to some of their partners, the companies that knew them the best, and said, hey, do you want to buy this business? He got an offer. Wasn't thrilled with the offer, but used it as leverage to get a second offer. And that tactic enabled him to double the value of his company. Here to tell you the rest of the story, here's James Garvey. James Garvey, welcome to Built to Sell Radio. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. So objective loyalty. What kind of company did you have?
0: So the company I had was an online direct marketing company. Um, we helped big brands acquire customers, and we did it at pretty massive scales. Uh, so we you know, worked with like Dick Dish Network, uh, DeVry, uh, big, big institutions that have uh, big uh, needs for a for customer pipeline.
1: And what did you, I mean, were you an advertising agency? What, what services did you provide for them?
0: Yeah. So, so we, we had a email service provider and so we basically, um, uh, connected, uh, customers to advertisers over, over email. And so we, we worked with, uh, really top, top notch advertisers and we worked with, uh, millions of consumers sending, sending emails to, to, to people on a daily basis.
1: So did you have a database or were you using the database of dish network and DeVry and so forth to, to, to supply them?
0: Yeah, so we had a database, but we we also worked with um, a number of advertisers, and and we helped them connect with their own customers as well.
1: Got it. So you've got this database, and you're helping. I mean, how did you live in partnership with their agency of record? I mean, did, did were you guys uh, at, at odds with the main communications agency most of these big companies had, or did you become the main communication agency for these big companies?
0: Yeah. We would mostly work with, um, the agency on record. And, and so, uh, we would be one channel that, that they would have. Um, and that channel would be, you know, direct marketing over email, uh, very effective. And, and that's how we had the relationship structured.
1: How did you get into the business, Jims?
0: Yeah. So, um, kind of, kind of weird. Um, I, I basically met, met my, uh, partner, um, at, at a company that we were both working at. And, uh, you know, he had, he had some contacts and, and I had, uh, I still have a, a background in, in software engineering. Uh, so, you know, he provided the, um, uh, the business development at first and I provided the technology at first and, uh, together it was a really, really great partnership. And what was your partner's name? is name Duncan.
1: Duncan. Okay. So you and Duncan are in this business together. How big did you get it before you decided to sell? I mean, what was kind of revenue, profitability, that kind of stuff? How many employees did you have? That, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So so we we grew the business from 2005 to 2010, and um, you know started out with uh, it was just just him and I, and then over time um, we ended up adding, adding a couple people. Uh, we never had more than more than ten employees. Um, and, and so, you know, every year the business kept, kept getting better. Um, and, and at at the end, you know, we were doing about, you know, 2.5 million in in EBITDA. In EBITDA.
1: So that's a pretty impressive, you know, a lot of people would be expecting, $250,000 $250,000 of revenue per employee in a, in a kind of communications or, or, uh, advertising space, you're, you're getting two, two $250,000 of profit per employee. How are you guys so profitable?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, uh, n- number one. Um, you know, we had good relationships with, with advertisers. Uh, number two is we had a great technology platform. Um, and you know, we did not have, uh, a huge technology investment um, from the traditional sense. So, like from two thousand and five to you know late two thousands, what would happen is is that uh, people would go out and buy servers, and and they would say, okay, I need to go get uh, you know ten servers, and each server is two thousand dollars, and it becomes a huge capital investment. And you know early on, we we decided that we were going to uh, lease servers, which is now you know people call you know, being in the cloud. Um, and, and that was one of the one of the reasons why we were able to really streamline everything, uh, and so it was a combination of you know, good leadership, good partnerships, and, and good technology.
1: I still feel like I'm missing some of the secret sauce here because leasing technology, I get, but it's still servers. I mean, it's not like you're buying spaceships. It, you know, they're they're <laughs> not that expensive. Um, you know, technology platform, arguably. Like a go, like a an AWeber or a Mailchimp or some of these other email providers w- would argue that their technology is 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 pretty good too. So what yep. am I missing? How do you, how do you go from you know zero in two thousand five to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of profit per employee? There must have been something else.
0: Yeah, I mean it was good good timing. Uh, that's always always important, um, and we had great deliverability. We we were able to get our emails delivered um into um all the major providers and and that was a really tough thing to do. Uh it's I mean it still is. Uh you know, it's easy to send thousand emails. It's very hard to send a hundred million emails. Um and and so uh you know it's a combination of, of great technology and and um you know really good timing. I mean that that's the other thing is um it's a great time to be in the business and uh, and, and yeah, that's really, really nothing other than a lot of hard work.
1: And so did you bring in any outside capital in the development of this business or was it just you and Duncan?
0: Yeah. You know, it, we, we were, we, we, we never did. And that was one thing that, um, I, I'm not sure if I regret or not, but we, we had a you know, very good business and, um, one of the things was we're able to do it, you know, without any outside investors. Uh, and, and that's a, a pretty rare thing to do. Um, and, but, you know, I, I always wonder if, if, uh, if, if we would have taken some outside investors, outside investment, like, you know, would, would it have been a much bigger business? Would it have been 100 employees instead of 10? Uh, you know, the questions that uh, every entrepreneur thinks about uh, when they go to sleep. So
1: <laughs> so what was the trigger event that made you want to sell?
0: So the, the trigger event was um, the question of of, of the stability of, of the business in the future, and and so basically you know we we had business that was uh, very profitable, um, you know, growing year over year, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, a, a lot of our secret sauce you know relied on you know being able to get our emails delivered. Being able to stay on top of of uh, of competition and uh, you know, email is is one of these things that it's a um, it's a tough business to do um, uh, for a long period of time, uh, just because every year it gets harder. Uh, and and so you know it was a timing issue. It, it was uh, uh, I was kind of a little bit burnt out. You know, going over for five years, not really having a ton of vacation, uh, not taking much of time off. Uh, I, I wanted to get married and, and, uh, and so for all those reasons, you know, we, we thought it'd be a, a good time to, to get out of business.
1: And so did you take the business to market? Did you hire an intermediary and and shop it or did someone come to you? And what was the, the event?
0: yeah so we initially did um we we initially brought on uh, an iBanker banker to to help us
1: i banker being and, an investment banker
0: correct and 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 so uh we brought this person on and and where we were was um you know looking around on you know what 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 is a good multiple you know what uh, who would be the the good good buyers and and, and what we decided was, you know, after, you know, engaging with this, this person for about, about six months, um, instead, you know, we, we asked some of our biggest partners and we asked them, um, you know, would you be interested in this technology? Um, you know, would you be interested in, in, um, in, in acquiring us? And, uh, we had one offer, um, and we took that one offer and we made it two offers <laughs> and, uh, and then from from there uh, we are, we were able to um, you know use use those um, two parties to um, to play off each other to to get the best deal that we we wanted for, for us and for our our um, employees as well
1: so let's dig in a little bit there so so when you're checking out multiples in the marketplace with your iBanker, what are you hearing at that point, 2010?
0: Yeah, so we were hearing anywhere from um, 2x to 8x Uh, and that and that was yeah right right around that range it was yeah that i think that was about right it was somewhere between 2 2 and 8x is what we saw
1: got it so so you're what what you're hearing the marketplace say is your business is worth somewhere it's a big range (laughs) between five million bucks and 20 million bucks correct Got it. And so what's your reaction to that? You and Duncan are, are hearing that. I mean, what, how are you guys reacting to that? To what you're hearing in the marketplace?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, exciting to hear numbers like that. Uh, but you know, uh, until, uh, the check clears, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of these things that, uh, you know, try not to, to um, you know, think too much about until we're actually coming near the finish line. I'm
1: always curious uh, to how how these things work in a, in a partnership. I've never personally been in a partnership, and I wonder how how those conversations work. Um, did Were you and Duncan aligned? Did you have a number in your mind that you both agreed to that said, you know, if we ever get an offer for X, we're hitting you, Jack. Did you have that number in mind? Did you talk about it?
0: Yeah, so we we actually didn't talk about it much in the first couple of years of the business. Um, and the reason for the first couple of years was it was generating a nice, nice return. Um, you know, we were really, really comfortable with the, um, with, with, the results that was producing. And then after like year three, that's when we're like, okay, you know, if we had an offer for this, yes, we would do it. And, um, and so that was a conversation that, that we, we did have. And, and it's, uh, you know, really important to, to have that kind of relationship with a partner because, uh, you know, it's like a marriage. It, it really is, um, you know, that, that close.
1: Did you and Duncan have, I mean, how were you similar outside of the business? I mean, you, you mentioned you were thinking you were about to get married. I mean, were you at similar stages in life? Did you have a similar amount of money or was one really wealthy and not so wealthy or just give us a sense of, of that.
0: Yeah, we're we're pretty, pretty even. Um, I I think, uh, at least, at least I think so. Um, you know, Duncan was a few years older than me, but you know, we were pretty, pretty even. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, this, this business was one that, that made, made us, um, you know, both, both pretty, pretty comfortable and happy. Um, and, and so, yeah.
1: Got it. So you're hearing the marketplace two to eight X, Um you've got an iBanker on board. Did you fire the iBanker or did he have a six month contract and then you you it expired? How did that work?
0: Yeah, so so we 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 had the iBanker working um and we 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 got rid of them, um, got rid of him because uh it 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 wasn't producing the the results that 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 we wanted. Um, you know, it it's um uh typically what would happen with with these types of relationships is you have to pay them a, a monthly uh, retainer and you have to pay them uh, a, m- a monthly amount to, uh, go out and shop the deal. Do you recall what your retainer was, James? Uh, you know, I am trying to remember, but I think it was, uh, if it, if it was $10,000 a month, that wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I think it might it might've been a little bit less than that, but somewhere around there. I mean, Big very expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, if you're not getting the results that you want, if you what don't. What do
1: you mean by not getting the results? You mean, you mean you weren't getting offers? Like what, what, what results were you not getting?
0: so if you're bringing somebody on like that you know you would want to get some offers from people that you don't know um not offers from people that you do know (laughs) and and so um you know we we weren't seeing um the 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 results we did not get any offers that we uh from people that we knew so we decided to go ask people that we that we we didn't know um so yeah
1: how did you handle those conversations with? your partners, given that you're running a business, I'm assuming you don't want your employees to know you're having the conversations. So how did you, how did you have, have the conversations with the partners? Um, how did you initiate them without really jeopardizing your business?
0: Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely a delicate situation, but, uh, you know, we, we actually, um, gave a lot of transparency to employees um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is their livelihood, and um, we, we told them what we were doing. Uh, and, and, and basically, um, the, the story was, we have these people that are really top, top, top talent, really great people, and, you know, we were able to, to, um, to, to place many of them um, uh, with the acquisition, um, with, with the, the company that bought us. And, and so, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, it, it delicate, but, you know, it, if you be honest with people, I mean, uh, people are, are can, can take it and that's how we ran the business. So talk a little
1: bit more about these conversations you had approaching, these potential these partners of yours, so these are all people that you knew that were when you say partners, they were vendors um, that you were relying on
0: yeah uh, these were these were partners that we made money for um, and and so uh, you know ba- basically you know we worked with networks and we worked with um, uh, a, n- a number of big big players and and so we we ended up making money for most most of these these partners um, uh, quite a bit of money and And so, you know, they knew the kind of volume that we had, they, they, they saw, um, the capability of, of what we were doing. And, and, uh, because that, um, the conversations were fairly easy to have because they could see like, Hey, you know, if, if we acquired this company, we could add on, you know, X amount of revenue to our business. Um, and, and that's, uh, that was the conversation. Got it.
1: So you got, I mean, I guess I guess people listening might have the question, okay, I I get that partners are more likely to buy my business than total strangers, but but how do I how do I engage those conversations in such a way that doesn't make me sound desperate, doesn't make me sound like I've got one foot out the door that if the business doesn't sell, I'm gonna jeopardize my relationship going forward with those people. I mean, did you broach it like, hey guys, you know, we've thought about maybe having a deeper strategic relationship with you? IE code for want to get acquired or was it, was it more direct? Did you say, look, would you like to buy us? I mean, like g- give us a sense of what, how the, the tenor of those conversations went.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the conversations were, uh, more, more or less the, the the latter and, and, you know, because of that, uh, because it's like, listen, um, you know, we, we've, we've made a lot of money for you guys. Uh, we, we are, um, you know, businesses doing this, we, we would like to, uh, sell the business and, uh, you know, having a very, very direct conversation. Now, the reason why we could do that was, was because, you know, we were in a position of strength. Um, you know, we were in a business that was, uh, very profitable and our partners needed us, uh, just as much as we needed them.
1: Got it. So you're having these conversations with partners, you get one offer what was your reaction to the first offer when you, when you received it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's great to, um, to, to get, you know, any type of interest, you know, it's like, uh, it's like dating, you know, and, and uh, having somebody be excited about you is, is, uh, is always, always an, a nice feeling. Um, but, uh, the, the, the way that you're able to actually apply some pressure and close a deal is, is when you have more than one party that's interested. Um, and, and so, uh, having one offer allows you to go out and get another one and then, um, being able to play them off on, off off each other. Uh, if you can do it in a, in a transparent, um, honorable way, uh, it's, it's, it works, it works very well.
1: How did having the first offer, help you get the second? I mean, were you as blatant as saying, look, we've got an offer. Are you interested? Pony up.
0: That's, that's basically, uh, exactly right. So like, you know, we, we were very, very honest, very, very transparent with, with everybody, employees or partners, et cetera. And, and, uh, and that's, and that's what, what we did. Um, and, and, uh, I, I think it's a lot easier to have those conversations, um, you know, when they're truthful. <laughs> For sure.
1: And, and at the same time, I think a lot of people going through that process would have preferred to have some sort of intermediary in the middle. Um, how did that end up playing out? I realize you let, get, you let the iBanker go. At um, any point, would you have had preferred to have sort of an intermediary negotiating on your behalf?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, the intermediary is not going to be as passionate about, you know, your business, um, you know, as, as you are, um, now, uh, I'm sure with enough scale, you know, it, it, with, if you're talking about a really huge deal, it, it, it can definitely help. Um, but you know, for us at, at our size, even though that, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice size business, um, because we're working with, um, people that we know, uh, it, it was a lot easier to do uh, without having anybody in the middle. How
1: was the second offer different from the first? Obviously, you know, people would be curious about the, the the price the second offer was offering. Not that you can talk about the price, but maybe you know the comparing the two. I mean, was the second offer ten percent better, twenty percent better, ten percent worse? And then maybe talk a little bit about the deal terms of each uh, and and the differences that you were. But you were evaluating between the offers beyond just the price, were there other things on the table that you were that would was were making one offer much
0: more attractive than the other? Yeah. I mean, so the, the second offer was was larger. Um by what proportion, uh, roughly? Uh about a hundred percent.
1: A hundred percent higher than the first offer?
0: Yeah. Wow. So so that that was that was good. Um uh but the the other thing was the amount of commitment, um, you know, how, how long would I need to be be there to help with the transition of the business? Um, was, was different as well, and and so uh, you know because the uh, this technology company, you know, you need to have quite a few people um, you know help with the transition, and and so in, in this particular situation, um, we're, we're able to uh, bring on. Uh, a couple of employees who were currently working for us. Um, and then they, they went to move, move on to the new company. Uh, and so my, my role was was really limited in the sense that um, I was only uh, helping with transition for a few weeks. Um, and, and that's what I wanted. Cause I, I, I wanted a, um, a vacation. I wanted to take some time off um, and I, you know, I wanted to, uh, go get married and go, go do, do a million other things. And, and, and so, uh, the second offer was, was more attractive and, and, um, you know, did not have uh, a ton of time commitment uh, and, wrapped in.
1: And James, did you go back to the first bidder and say, Hey, we've got a, you know, a, a much more attractive offer here, unless you're willing to go a lot better, that's, you're going to lose this.
0: It's, that's what we did and and so that that's that's what happened and um, the, uh, the, the 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 gist was um, you know they didn't want to go any higher and and so we then started working on getting the the deal closed on on the, the second offer
1: at which point you had to sign I'm, I'm assuming some sort of letter of intent with a, a not no shop clause in it was that
0: yeah so there what letter of intent um, there, there was a, there was a no shop clause um, and uh, yeah how did the dy-
1: and for those listening if you haven't you don't know about a no, no shop clause, essentially when you sign a letter of intent you're basically getting engaged, and usually it comes with a 60 90 day no shop clause where you as the seller agree not to continue to negotiate with any other potential buyers and oftentimes James, that's when the you know the dynamic uh, the balance of power shifts in favor of the, this, the, uh, the buyer and, and you lose a little bit of leverage. How did it go for you?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, you, you want the deal, you want to get the deal done. And, and so, uh, at, at the same time, you know, you worry, you know, are they going to do it? You know? And, and, and so, um, you know, is, is this actually going to happen or, or is it, uh, uh, is it going, going to, uh, you know, not, not work. Um, and, and so, you know, thank, thankfully we had a very smooth, um, transition, uh, and, and everything went pretty well. Um, we, we did not have, uh, to give them like code or or any of the uh the the secret sauce of our business until the 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 wire transfer happened um there was due diligence of course but um you know it was done in a really really good uh good way
1: did they ask Uh, for the code
0: yes And, And and how did you respond and and our response was uh we will give you the code when we get the check um because you know for us it's uh our intellectual property um, that's all we have, you know, it's, it's really critical to the business. Was there anything so, else
1: you held back during the diligence phase?
0: Uh, no, no. I mean, that, that was really, really it. Um, everything was in order, you know, highly recommend, you know, making sure that you always, uh, you know, have, um, all your documents in order, you know, whether, whether, sure, you sure. know, if somebody comes in looking for doing an audit or, or, or whatever it is, but, but thankfully, you know, we had we had um, re- really really good people that took care of everything.
1: What was the biggest obstacle during the diligence phase that you had to work through?
0: Biggest obstacle, um, I, I think um, the the actual contract, the actual um, document of, of of the of the sale was like hundred some pages, and, and we had to document. Um, you know, every thing that we had, everything that we built, um, all the assets, like, like just tedious. Um, but that, that was, and then it's also expensive. That's the other thing is the, the attorneys make everything expensive. But,
1: would you spend on legals for the deal, James?
0: Uh, you know, it, it would, it was probably about 50 hours of work. So very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> got
1: it. Got it. Got it. Okay. You know, I'm fascinated by your decision to to share this information with your employees. And that would go against the grain in terms of virtually everybody else who we've had on the show who says, you know, don't tell you know people because deal could not go through and blah 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 blah. You were obviously keen on on being transparent throughout the process. You did that. Maybe you know, talk, you know, take us inside the company. You're, you're working through this hundred page shareholder agreement. You're in due diligence with this buyer. I mean, what's the vibe like in your company?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the vibe is there, there's excitement. Um, you know, there's, uh, I mean, all the, all these, all these people we've been working with, um, been working with them for years. And, and so, everybody is, is highly employable. Um, you know, everybody is, is, uh, um, a master at, at what they do. Um, and, and so, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, a feeling of, of fear or, or sadness, or it was, it was really just, um, you know, Hey, we, we've had, we've had a great, great time working together. Um, you know, there, there's going to be an opportunity to, to continue on. Um, if, if you want to, Um, and the dynamic was always very open, um, very honest. And And were uh, they
1: given a piece of the action? I mean, did they, were they incentivized with the sale? Uh,
0: they, they were not incentivized from a stock perspective. Um, there, there was some cash compensation in a couple of situations, but, but, um, you know, it was mostly, um, uh, but, but mostly, I mean, almost everybody was, was just, uh, everybody was paid very well. And, and so people were happy to, to, uh, to be paid well.
1: And there was, was there any resentment towards you and Duncan after the check cleared?
0: Well, you know, it, it's definitely unknown, but I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, people know that this is a business and, um, you know, this is one of the things that happens. What would you, if you had it
1: to do over again from start to finish, the whole sale of the business? What what might you do differently if you could you could rewrite, go from a blank sheet of paper?
0: So, you know w- what I probably would have done differently is is maybe hired a second iBanker, banker, you know, and and try it again because we didn't get a lot of luck from the first one, um, and and so yeah the question's always like, okay, well, if, if we would have you know brought on somebody else, would they have found um, you know, a different buyer or would they could they have helped us better um, and and uh, you know, never know that question, but um i I think we would have number one uh, hire a second second i banker and then thinking about the business differently um, instead of selling it, maybe. We we would have taken some outside money from a private equity firm or from potentially venture capitalist, um, thinking about okay, well, if we had a a large cash injection, could we could we get a bigger multiple in the business? Um, and and so those are the questions that that keep me up at night, obviously. <laughs> hmm.
1: Interesting. So you're continue to have those questions after the fact, saying maybe maybe we could have done better if we had done a private equity round and then, and then an exit on the back of that.
0: Yeah. I think, I think every, every entrepreneur has that, uh, uh, you know, consideration of mind. It's like, you know, what would have happened if I would have done X? And, and obviously, you know, you can't dwell on it too much. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just part of, part of the business.
1: In hindsight, it, it sounds in part that, you know, you were tired. You, you mentioned you were burnt out, and you needed a vacation, you wanted to go on a honeymoon. Um, you know, obviously, you had the opportunity to do those things after the sale. Yep. and I mean, as you look back on it now, were those feelings that you had, those that that need for a vacation? I mean, that was that a rational decision to sell your business because you needed some time, or, you know, you know, with the, the long arc of history, as you look back, would you have been better to take a month vacation and come back refreshed and, and take the business to the next level?
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great, great question. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, looking at it from 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 your lens, if if I would have um, uh, hired more people, you know, it would have reduced um the the EBITDA, um but maybe it wouldn't have burnt me out as much. Uh, and and so I, I think you know one one lesson um on my side that I've learned is is you know you need you need not to be working on a business uh 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day. Uh, it's not sustainable after after a certain period of time. Um, and and so I, I do think that that if if I would have brought in a few more people, maybe um, may, maybe my attitude uh, would have been differently different on here, and and I I think it's very possible that um, maybe I would still have to come into that uh, unknown. But uh, uh, I, I think it's a good point. I I really do think that at at some point, like now, I was very young too. You I know, mean, super young and and uh you know for, for me it, it was you know I really need needed to to k- take a break, but um I think a more mature person um you know i'm thirty four now um you know more more mature person would have said, you know what let's bring in uh, a few more people and and let's let's not um uh not not be so overworked that you're uh, you know going have a breakdown you know
1: so <laughs> How is it to be rich when you're young? How does that feel?
0: Well, I mean, I don't I don't know if if you ever feel rich, um the 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 one thing that um that, you know that that I think is important um you know is it's all about perspective, you know? Like I I I grew up um you know, very um you know, average, uh, in, in Northern California. Um, and, and so it, one thing that, that is really important to me is, is that you, know, you, you have to live below your means. Um, and if you don't, uh, you're going to get, get into trouble.
1: So, but uh, I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, there must've been a temptation with a check clear to go out and buy something. I had, I had a conversation with a guy a friend of mine, uh, who sold his company, this was years ago, and went out and, and literally bought a Lamborghini. That was yep. his sort of trophy. I mean, was there anything that you went out and bought that, that in retrospect, you think maybe <laughs> that was a little, a little crazy?
0: You know, uh, I, I, I did not do that. Um, but I, I did take, you know, a year off and, and my wife and I, you know, we, we traveled around the world and and, uh, you know, it was, that was, uh, that was my, my reward, but, um, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't have any, any crazy, uh, uh crazy, crazy experience of going to Lamborghini, Lamborghini dealership and buying buying a car afterwards. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Got it. What do you do now? Um, so now, uh, I, I run a, uh, another company, um, it's called self lender. Uh, what it does is it helps people. Uh, build credit um, and savings at the same time. It's basically a savings plan that builds credit. Um, so, totally different space than than I was in. But, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to create a consumer product, um, something that uh, you know isn't just a, a transactional, uh, service-based business, but you know something that that people love. And and um, you know, and we ended up launching in March. Uh, this business, I had to raise venture capital cause it's very capital intense business. Uh, and you know, I'm probably the happiest I am I've ever been in my life. So, you know, it's got great people here. Uh, and you know, I've learned a lot, a lot of lessons from, from, from what I did right and what I did wrong at my last, my last company. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's where, that's where we are today.
1: Selflender.com is the URL, correct? Yes. So we're going to check that out. Make sure um, you check that out. That's an interesting, um, interesting new company. One last question before I let you go, and it, and it actually relates back to kind of mistakes made that you just alluded to. Um, and I should have asked it earlier, but it's come to mind now, so forgive me. When your iBanker was shopping the deal for those six months prior to you going to your partner's, what sorts of feedback or reasons was was that per, iBanker banker you know getting um, that people were not interested in buying your company because on the outside a fast growth business that had grown from 2005 to 2010 and had 2.5 million dollars of profit with just 10 employees that sounds like a very very attractive business to acquire how, how come the like what were what, were, what was the feedback coming from the iBankers as, as to why they weren't getting offers?
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember the feedback that we, that we had. Um, but uh, if, if I recall, um, it, it wasn't anything really concrete. And I think that was part of our problem was the uh, person we had wasn't, wasn't very, very good. Um, so yeah, I unfortunately can't, I can't remember. This was a few years ago. I can't remember the feedback that they gave.
1: Got it. Got it. Always important to get concrete feedback, obviously from an iBanker. If you're not getting the offers you want, um, why not? Like what's, what is the issue for sure? James Garvey, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Selflender.com. Thanks for being with us.
0: Hey, thanks a lot, John. Connect with John at Facebook.com built to sell or on Twitter at John Warlow. W-A-R-R-I-D-L-O-W.